It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, happy Monday morning, everyone. A special edition of Daily Thunder. Uh, we, uh, what's funny is at the beginning of January, we launch into this in-studio edition, and then here I am uh, three weeks into the month, and I'm already violating our code and our new model because I'm in the chapel. And uh, Nathan and I were just feeling burdened. We were talking with our team about it that the times in which we live, it's critical that I think we just hit some nails square on the head, and that's what I want to do. I want to enter into a a series uh, this week. So I'm sort of going to overwrite all our normal protocol for what we're setting up for, what we're preparing you guys to hear. We're like, on Mondays, Eric is going to be live in the studio, and he's going to be going through a series. On Tuesday, we have a discussion between Eric and Nathan. On Wednesday, you can expect Leslie. Thursday, Nathan is going to pop his head and give an amazing series. And then Friday, Eric and Nathan will give a discussion. So all of that, I'm going to overwrite that this week, and it's, it's hard for us to do that, but at the same time, I think we feel burdened enough that we decided to throw it all out and, uh, for this week and do something different. I'm going to go through a five-part series, which of course matches the five days of the week, and it is called A, Rec- a Christian Response to a Crumbling America. It's hard. I was trying to describe this to the church yesterday. As men and women of faith... We know that God is seated on high. We know that all things are beneath his feet. We know that in the end he wins. And though there is a season in which darkness can appear to be stronger, it ultimately will be proven that God Almighty is greater. We know these things. And yet, why is it so painful to see our beloved country fall to pieces? Why is it so painful? Because, hey, Aren't we holding these things loosely? Don't we realize that we shouldn't cling to anything, that our identity is not in our American citizenship, it's in our position in Christ? We know these things. But it's sort of like, for me, to give you an illustration, this is the illustration I used yesterday, I'm married. Now, my uh, salvation does not, you know, isn't embedded in my marriage to Leslie, and yet Leslie is a partner a collaborator with me to carry forth a purpose that I have here on this earth. And so if Leslie were to pass away, it would lead to a great grief in my life. And it's actually appropriate that I would have that grief. In fact, many of you would think that something's wrong with me if I didn't have the grief. And I would say that for those of us that love our country, that love our heritage, that love the purpose that God set forth for this country, that we would carry the light of Christ into the nations, it's very difficult to see it pass away. And it is a collaborator, it's a partner with us in carrying forth our mission. We all have an assignment and we feel this loss right now. Now, that's why I want to walk through this. What is the Christian's response to a crumbling nation around you? Because you can apply this. I'm American and I'm in the midst of a crumbling America. But you could also share in similar things and you could apply this in various ways. There are certain thought patterns that we need to have and that's what I want us to rally around this particular week. And so this, this first session is called the model citizen because the idea of citizenship is very, very significant for us, I think, to work through as Christians right now. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to dive into these. So to do this, I'm going to 
sort of pick a rather odd citizen in history, and that is a character named Rahab. Rahab, for those of you that are familiar, uh, is actually somewhat of a salty character. She was a prostitute uh, in a rather uh, infamous city known as Jericho. And so she's a citizen of Jericho, if we want to say it that way. Now I'm going to call her the model citizen of Jericho, which is probably the exact opposite, if you know the story, of the way you would think to refer to her. And yet I'm going to, in this message, sort of unpack the idea that she actually is the ideal citizen. She is going to respond to the situation the way God intended someone to respond to a situation like this. Now, to the other Jerichites and the other, you know, the king of Jericho, and, and, and they're not as happy with the way Rahab is going to respond, and they're going to question her citizenship. That's why I'd like to dig this out, because this is some of, one of the tensions we're facing today. So let's look through the ingredients of a model citizen. Uh, and so on the screen I have the ingredients of model citizenship. So I have six words. Now you could come up with a whole bunch, but I sort of purposely picked these six just to sort of make a point. Allegiance, loyalty, fidelity, felty, faithfulness, and honor. So in an earthly sense, we have a concept for citizenship. And so in America, we stick our hand over our hearts and we look up at the flag and we pledge our allegiance to the flag. And uh, we understand that this is a part of what makes a good citizen, is a certain allegiance and loyalty to the nation, to the purpose of the nation, to the government of that nation. And there's truth in that. And that's one of the things that God's going to underpin in our training as believers is that we do live in a world and there are authorities in this world and we need to show respect and allegiance and loyalty and duty. And these are wonderful attributes so what do you do if things start to get a little dicey in that nation? So we're going to call this the Rahab Dilemma. And here's the dilemma. Her nation is siding against God. Uh-oh, we have a problem. So when you live in a nation, in this case, she's in Jericho. Jericho is at odds with the kingdom of heaven. It's at odds with God. It has rejected God. It doesn't want God, and it does not want to give up its space to the purposes of God. Now, God has claimed this territory, and he says, actually, that belongs to me, and everything in Jericho belongs to God. And so how does a good citizen, or in this case, a model citizen, respond to this situation? Because she has a loyalty. She's She's a Jerichite. She is, of course, if, if God is going to teach her and grow her up in righteousness, she should submit to the governing rulership of Jericho. It just makes sense. So how is Rahab supposed to appropriate this situation? That's why I'm calling it the Rahab dilemma. Her nation is siding against God. What happens if your nation sides against God? It's hard to describe what is taking place in America right now. Because there's many metaphors we could use for it. There's many uh, little points we could look at. We've been watching for years, decades, the, the moral slide. And we've seen the introduction of ideas and thoughts. Uh, like, for instance, abortion. When that's going to come in in 1973. It is an introduction of a concept and an idea into our country of killing unborn babies that is strikingly different than the heritage that we have as a nation. 
And then, of course, the introduction of this gender identity issue, uh, all the way to fast forward to 2020, where we're going to see the introduction of lockdowns. We're going to see the introduction of uh, all sorts of unique things, like uh, taking on the police and saying, hey, we need to defund them. Things that are highly irregular in the overall scope of our nation's history, but we're seeing a turning, a turning away from law to lawlessness, a turning away from justice to injustice, a turning away from truth to lies. You see, this isn't the right pattern. This is the wrong pattern. We are siding against the things that are very clearly revealed in Scripture to be God's territory. And it seems to be an all-out rejection. I've said this for years, that we've moved away from being just post-Christian. You see, we were a Christian nation, and then we moved away from that to being, well, that's in the past, post-Christian, to the point where we're actually anti-Christian. We're fighting against God himself. So as a citizen of that country, what is your processing? How are you supposed to work through that? It's the same dilemma that Rahab had. Her nation is siding against God. So if you're able to see the video of this, which, sorry for those of you that are getting the, uh, just the audio podcast, on the screen it says there is right and there is more right. You see, our desire is to be right. It's to be correct. And so you could, uh, you could reason through this. I'm in Jericho, and God has called me to submit to my ruling authorities, and they say to stick it to the Israelites, you know, to not give them any ground and to hold them out and to not, if any of them try and sneak in and spy on what's going on here, you make sure that you report them. Okay, so you have a good citizen, and that makes sense that that's what you would do, and yet there is something that we're going to describe as more right. So you could be right, you know, listen to this thought, you could be right and actually wrong in your rightness. Because God is actually the definer of the true right. We're going to put a capital R on that. And we understand that is righteousness. God is perfectly righteous. There are things that can be right at any time in in a political atmosphere. And everyone could nod along and say, that's the right thing to do, Eric. And you could nod along and be correct with the culture, but be incorrect with God. So there can be right, and it could be wrong the whole while, which is an ironic statement, isn't it? So what we as Christians are after is the more right. We want to be right in alignment with God, even if we look wrong with the world. So one of the classic illustrations that I've always used to explain this is the story of Mary versus Martha. Actually, versus Martha, yeah, I guess that's probably, probably a good way of saying it. It's not that they're antagonistic toward each other, but they're choosing a different way. Martha is going to be what I'm going to term right in this story. Mary is going to be more right. So when, here's my subtitle to this, when being right becomes the adversary of righteousness. You see, if our rightness in the circumstance in which we are is actually an adversary and an opponent to God's righteousness, that's a key giveaway that something's wrong. So Martha is going to do everything right. In fact, when I study that story, I, boy, do I identify with Martha. I, I'm busy. I'm, you know, what am I busy doing? I'm busy serving Jesus. I'm busy baking a meatloaf. Do you bake meatloaf or do you just cook meatloaf? I think you cook meatloaf. Baking, I'm baking bread and I'm cooking meatloaf. And what am I doing? I'm setting the table. I'm bustling about the kitchen because I want to be hospitable. Is hospitality a wrong thing? No, it's a right thing. 
Is, your, is serving meatloaf wrong? No, it's right. How about the bread? I mean, it's a nice golden loaf. It smells so nice. It gives a whole aroma to the entire house. It's a wonderful thing that Martha's doing. She's right. And yet, Jesus is going to point out that she's not more right. She's right, and in so doing, she's actually wrong in how she is appropriating her time because Jesus has entered her home. And though it makes total sense to all of us that we should set everything aside and just work hard and you know, roll up our sleeves and make sure we're hospitable, there is something more right, and that's what Mary is figuring out. So here's a quote from Jesus in Luke 10, 41 through 42. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary is doing that which is more right. She's sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word. In every situation in life, we need to make sure that we are going to God to discern the more right. Because if right or correctness in our culture is going against God, we need to be willing to be wrong in our culture, which is sort of like allowing the meatloaf to burn and the bread to burn and the table not to be set. And there we are, even though our mind is going, well, what about my uh, meatloaf? And Jesus says, right here. Right now, let me deal with the meatloaf. You focus on me. So I'm going to give another illustration. We'll call it the Little Dilemma. Now, that's spelled L-I-D-D-E-L-L. It comes from Eric Little. If any of you ever saw the movie Chariots of Fire, which I always have felt like is my personal movie, like it was made for me because my name's Eric Ludi. And so when I watch Eric Little, it's like, is that me? I mean, could it be me? Uh, I really love the story. But uh, the Little Dilemma. So he has a dilemma. He's an Olympic athlete who has qualified for the Olympic Games to represent uh, Great Britain and, or the United Kingdom. I don't remember what they called it at that time. And it's, it's, I think it's in Paris, France at the time. And there's a lot of political issues between Great Britain and, and France, and those two have really don't get along that well. And Eric Little finds out that his qualifying heat for the 100 meters is going to take place on a Sunday. And for him... He can't do that. That would be a violation of his relationship uh, with God and his understanding of how he is trained as an athlete, which is to honor God first. And that's God's day, and he doesn't want to run on it. And he can't run on it, technically. And so he gets into this little tribunal thing with uh, the leadership of the uh, British athletics and with the, even the Prince of Wales. And they're letting him know that uh, it should be king first, God second. And Eric Little basically has to say, even to his authorities, no, it's God first. I love my country, but it has to be God first. I cannot run. What a story. I mean, it's an amazing, uh, the way it plays out is truly remarkable because he ends up getting a different race in, a, in, a, uh, in the 400 meters, which he didn't even qualify for, and he is going to win the gold medal uh, in honoring God. It's a, it's a pretty fantastic story. So his nation is asking him to choose national loyalty over loyalty to God. Right now, it's okay to love your country. I do. But it's very, very important that we remember the kingdom that we are first and foremost a part of. And we cannot violate that kingdom pattern in standing for this country either. And it needs to be an extension. The loyalty for this country needs to be an extension of our loyalty towards God. So here's the Rahab decision. I sort of have summarized it for us. The king of Jericho searches out Rahab's apartment in an attempt to stop this turning of loyalty because Rahab is recognizing something, and that is that that is Jehovah's armies out there. This is God Almighty, 
and he is greater than anything in Jericho. And so when she recognizes that there is a higher kingdom out there, she is going to hide spies in her apartment. The king's going to search it out. She hides them from him. But Rahab sees in Joshua's kingdom, and what, the reason I'm calling it Joshua's kingdom is because that's the same name as Jesus. And so we have a parallel here with the way a Christian thinks too. She sees in Joshua's kingdom God's rule and reign. So she chooses citizenship or allegiance and loyalty to Joshua's nation, a higher obligation than her earthly citizenship to Jericho. Then she fervently seeks to bring others into her apartment of salvation in order to share in the benefits of the scarlet cord. So the scarlet cord is a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of faith. It's a symbol of salvation. She says, I have it. You see, I have believed in a higher work, the, the nation of Joshua. And the nation of Joshua will save all of us that enter in by faith into this apartment. And so she is going to recruit people to come into that apartment in the midst of a hostile world, in the midst of a hostile Jericho. She is going to gather into her apartment, which is symbolized and, and protected by a scarlet cord, just like when the death angel was passing over uh, before the very first, or on the very first Passover night, you have the blood of the lamb that is on the doorpost of the houses or the apartment in this case. And so the same is true with us. We are going to have our apartment, our body, covered with scarlet or the blood of Jesus. And that's why we can have this same hope. We are citizens in hostile territory marked by the scarlet cord. So Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. And so I'd like us to, if you could see this on the screen, I want you to just imagine that C in citizenship being capitalized. You see, our citizenship, capital C, is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it does not mean we don't have citizenship down here on earth, but it's a lowercase c citizenship. And yes, we should be good citizens. We should be model citizens. But if it comes between being a citizen of Jericho and a citizen of Joshua's kingdom, we need to know how to make that decision. Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. It's actually one of the hardest scriptures to know what to do with. But actually it has to do with the same thing we're talking about. It's an issue of citizenship and priority. You see, if Joshua is coming and he is going to bring judgment on the city of Jericho, it is imperative that you heed Rahab's voice when she's saying, but look, there is a savior. And if you look to, if you come into my room and are, and are covered by this scarlet cord, you too can be saved. You see, there is something higher than citizenship to Jericho in its citizenship or allegiance unto Joshua. Did Rahab make the right decision? Well, that's a key question here because I could have said all of this and the conclusion could be, but God rebuked Rahab for what she did. Actually, in the New Testament, I'm going to say, yes, she did. And this is shown twice in the New Testament through reference to her faith and her noble choice, which is Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's going to reference it in James 2.25. I don't know. I have 11.1, but I don't know that it's in 11.1. 1. It's in Hebrews 11, but I don't think it's 11.1. 1. So sorry, someone will have to fix that for me. So here's how I'm going to finish. I'm going to ask some questions about what I'm going to call the primary dimensions of your life. Because, for instance, I have citizenship in America, but what's my primary citizenship? 
And I have a president in this country. Right at this exact moment, it's Donald Trump. But at the end of this week, it's uh, supposedly going to be Joseph Biden. And I am going to be a good citizen no matter what. I am going to have a loyalty. I'm going to have a respect. I'm going to have an honor. But I have a primary king and ruler, and his name is Jesus. And so if my lowercase king, lowercase P president, is going to ask me to do something that violates my higher king or my capital K king, Jesus, I can't do that. I have a savior in Jesus, but who is my primary savior? Because oftentimes we look to political factors right now. It's like, could they rescue us? Could they somehow steer our nation away from this evil towards righteousness? But we need to remember, our primary savior is not earthly. He's heavenly. Who is our primary spouse? I'm married to Leslie. I love being married to Leslie. But do you know that I have a primary spouse and it's Jesus Christ? He's my bridegroom, as strange as that is being a guy and having a bridegroom. But that is the reality in which we live. And I want us to cherish that today. As we head into this week, I want us to remember our citizenship in heaven, our confidence in God, and the fact that we are loyal first and foremost to him, and that's our primary agenda right now. Father, train us for this hour. Teach us how to rise up in agreement with you, your word, your kingdom pattern. Lord, may we be as Rahab, and may we choose, even if it comes out to be translated as against our lowercase c citizenship, that we would choose towards our higher uppercase c citizenship in heaven. And Lord Jesus, that we would, you would find us with great allegiance, loyalty, faithfulness, and felty towards you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.